Welcome to Global River Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit globalriver.org. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I have a very, very unique assignment this morning. And like every, um, every time you come and you are engaged with the Word of God, uh, I learned this from my spiritual father. There are three skills that you need to have. Either you are learning, relearning, or unlearning. Learning, relearning, or unlearning. Because there are some things we've learned in the past, and they are not necessarily unkidori. <laughs> Glory to God. So, so the message today may be in one of those categories. So don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. And the assignment God gave me this morning is titled, Approaching God as a Righteous Judge. Approaching God as a Righteous Judge. Glory to God. Open your Bible with me to Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11, beginning from verse 1. I'm going to go as slow as possible, but I want to go fast because I have a lot of material to cover, and I don't want to leave us in a cliffhanger. So if we get to 12 and I'm not finished and you got to go, we'll see you next Sunday. Glory to God. Now it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place when he seized or stopped that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. The first thing I want you to know in that verse is prayer can be taught. Prayer is not just prayer and prayer and prayer. Amen? Prayer can be taught. Because if prayer cannot be taught, Jesus would have told them, how silly are you? Just pray. But he went in the next verses to follow to begin to explain how to pray. So he said to them, when you pray, say, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us day by day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Most of us, typically, we stop there because that's the traditional, uh, the Lord's Prayer. But Jesus is not done. He's still answering the question asked in verse 1. Then he goes into verse 5. And he said to them, which of you shall have a friend and go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves. I know we live in the West, and we practically a 24-hour cycle. But if somebody showed up at your door at 12 midnight, they better be your friend. Glory to God. They better be your friend. Otherwise, you'd be like, why are you bugging me at 12 midnight? Get out of here. Verse 6, for a friend of mine has come to me on his journey, and I have nothing to say before him. And he will will answer him from within and say, do not trouble me. The door is shut, and my children are with me in the bed. I cannot rise to give to you. Verse 8, I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. Because this guy is now banging the door. The neighbors are turning on their lights. Somebody is about to dial 911. He's like, let me just quiet this guy down. I'm going to give it to him and get him off my porch. Glory to God. It's not done. Verse 9. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. 
Seek and you will find. Knock and it shall be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And anyone who seeks finds. And to him who knocks it shall be opened. Verse 11. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, among us, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent, a snake, instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good things or good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those that ask him? So Jesus began to answer this question, Lord, teach us to pray. And Jesus put prayer in two realms in this passage. He puts prayer as approaching God as the Father. And then he puts prayer as approaching God as a friend. So when you approach God as a friend, you're approaching God on behalf of somebody on behalf of somebody else. That's what we call intercession. Many times we use the words incorrectly. You say, I'm, 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 what are you doing? I'm interceding. If you're praying for yourself, you're not interceding. You are just having a dialogue with your papa. But if I'm praying for my sister over there, now I'm standing, because intercession is standing in the gap, being a go-between. So you are leveraging your relationship with the Father on behalf of somebody else. Glory to God. Now let's go to Luke chapter 18. Because I want to show you that prayer is in three distinct realms. And this is the realm that the Lord wants me to emphasize today. We know how to approach God as Father. We know how to pray a prayer of intercession on behalf of somebody else. But many people are not skilled in this. Glory to God. Luke chapter 18, beginning from verse 1. Then he spoke a parable to them, saying that men always ought to pray and not to lose heart. Uh, Again, I'm going to comment real quick. Men ought always to pray and not to give up. In other words, this sentence, this statement, this verse in the Bible goes and debunks every lie coming from the pit of hell that prayer doesn't work. Uh, It debunks it right there. It said men ought always to pray and not to give up. Saying there was in a city a certain judge who did not fear God nor regard man. Now there was a widow in that city. And she came to him saying, get justice for me from my adversary. That word adversary is the Greek word antidikos. I'm going to get to that as we move on. But I want you to put that in mind. And he would not for a while. But afterward, he said within himself, though I do not fear God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her. Lest by a continual coming, she wearies me. Glory to God. Then the Lord said, hear what this unjust judge said. And shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? I will tell you, he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? So we see prayer put in three realms. Praying, approaching God as a father, approaching God as a friend. In other words, you are an intercessor on behalf of somebody else or something else. 
And now he's putting prayer in the context of the court system. So we are going to uh, go through the word of God this morning. And I want you to hold, fa- hold on fast to your seatbelt. Amen. I'm going to go as fast as possible because we have a lot of material to cover. But I'm trusting the Holy Spirit to be sitting by you and be explaining the word to you. Look at Psalm 144, verse 1. I'm, I'm just, you know, uh, the material you have in your hand is really a study guide. So you don't have to look into that. Just uh, be, at, be at attention and, and follow what the Lord is saying. Psalm 144, verse 1. The Bible says, Blessed be the Lord my rock, who trains my hand for war and my finger for battle. So when God says, I'm going to train your hand for war and your finger for battle, that means there is war to fight and there is battle to be in. Because what's the point of training me if I, there's no battle? Glory to God. Isaiah 33, verse 22. The Bible says, For the Lord is our judge, the Lord is our lawgiver, and the Lord is our king. He will save us. So we see three distinct uh, offices of the Lord. He's our judge, our lawgiver, and he's our king. Doesn't that look like the United States government? We have the executive, the judiciary, and the legislative. Amen. So many of us, we are very skilled at approaching God as Father. We are very skilled at approaching God as a friend, as an intercessor. But we don't really know how to approach God as a judge. And that's the assignment that God has given me this morning. Prayer is a very important part of our Christian life. But many Christians, they are not skilled in this heart. And God is sending revelation to his body in this time, in this season to help us. So this message will be cerebral and inspirational at the same time. So I want you to be ready for that. Many believers have viewed prayer as only an interaction between us and God, the Father, or an interaction between us and the devil. In other words, you are casting out devil. You are speaking to demons. You are speaking to darkness. Or you are talking to the Father. But I want us to see prayer also as in the court of heaven. Glory to God. And we are going to see scriptures. This is not just my opinion. We are going to see scriptures. The Bible says in Deuteronomy 5, 6, You shall not bow down to them nor serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the Father upon the children to the third and the fourth generation. We use that many times when we do deliverance. We know that there's generational blessing and generational curses. And we are going to tag that to how you can bring that into the court of heaven and get justice. Amen? Glory to God. The Bible says in Galatians 6, 7, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will reap. (laughs) Whatever a man sows, he will reap. So if you sow evil... You are going to reap evil. If you sow righteousness, you are going to reap right. Meaning that whatever you sow, whatever you planted, you plant maize, you plant uh, okra, you plant whatever. That's what you are going to harvest. But there is a way for us that Jesus has made access for us to be able to go into the court system and reverse whatever is happening in our life today. You prayed, you fasted, and it seems not to be moving. And I want to say that when you go into the court of heaven to present a case, typically it's in regard to issues in your life that you have been praying about and it seems like it's not moving. It's time to go to court. Amen? Glory to God. When you look at 
the passage we just read, the Bible said in Luke chapter, 11, chapter 18, the widow came to this judge because she needed justice. Obviously, she had a case, and it's a winnable case. But the Bible described the Lord Jesus used the most, un, the most corrupt judge as an example. And he wanted to use it to contrast between this judge and the righteous judge. And we are going to see scripture that will elaborate on that. This woman needed justice. Something is happening. Maybe she needed land or somebody took something that belonged to her and then she went to court. And I have known this. And, and you know, we have people that are legal practitioners in the house that can help me. I've known this. and I, I love to watch uh, legal shows because I learned so much from it. And I found out that what I've been watching in many of these shows, learning all this word like deposition and uh, motions and all that stuff, they are very relevant in the, in the work of God, in the things of the spirit. Because when you go to court, you have to know some of those language to be able to present your case before the Father. The truth is, Jesus has paid the price at Golgotha. But I said in a message I did uh, two or three weeks ago, if you look at the body of Christ, at least based on the survey that was done by Banner, about 85% conservatively are some type of sickness, some type of disease, some type of medical condition going on in their body. But we know that Jesus has paid the price at Calvary. The Bible said he took 39 stripes so that we might be set free. So the question is, what is the disconnect? Jesus has paid the price, but yet there is this going on in the house of God. I'm not even talking about the unbeliever. I'm talking about in God's house. It ought not to be so. And I believe that this is, might be a key that can help you and take you to another level in your prayer life. Oh, my goodness. God has been leading me to pray, especially in this area. To go to the courts. Amen? Because I want you to know something. If God, let me, let me not use the word if. Because God has purchased your healing and God has purchased everything. Jesus said it is finished. If you are praying and that thing is not moving, I want to submit to you. It's because Satan has a legal right to be there. A spiritual legal right to be there. So what we want to learn today is how to take that bullet from his chamber. How to take that ammunition from his chamber. And it's all in the finished work of Calvary. There's nothing extra biblical about what we are looking at today. Amen. Glory to God. So when you look at this, the Bible says this woman went to this unjust judge. And the word, like I said earlier, the word adversary there is the word antidikos. You find that same word in 1 Peter 5.8, where it said, be sober, be vigilant, your adversary, antidikos. And it's, it's the word that means opponent in a suit of law. Opponent in a suit of law. Go and look at your Bible and study it. Don't just take my word for it. Opponent in a suit of law. We always think that the enemy is just an opponent because he doesn't like us. But this guy is in court. The Bible says he's accusing us day and night in court. 
and it's bring <laughs> glory to God. The Bible says, uh, be sober, be vigilant. Your adversary walketh about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. I asked the Lord, I said, why is he walking about? He said, he's gathering evidence against you, against me. He's going through your bloodline. He's looking for evidence so that he can present before the court and say, yeah, I know your word says she's supposed to be blessed, but here is evidence that the great-grandfather did. Here is evidence that she herself did. And so because of that, I have a right to withhold a blessing. And if you don't show up in court, uh, we have legal people in the house that can help me. If you don't show up in court and you have a winnable case, most of the time the judge will rule against you. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you are not there. You are not there to defend yourself. You are not there to present your case. And the Bible tells us that Jesus Christ is our advocate. I mean, many times we see these words in the Bible and we just gloss over it. Why is he our advocate? Because advocate is another word for lawyer. Uh, the first chair, the person that presents your case before the throne. So I have showed us in that verse that we read in Isaiah 33 too, that God is a king, is a judge, and is also a lawgiver. Many times, before, I, before the Lord began to show me this revelation, I used to see God as a judge in the sense that the day we die, the Bible talked about the judgment seat of Christ, and then he's going to judge the living and the dead, and that's the end of it. But God is not a judge just for that moment. He's a judge because he's a, he's, a, he's a king over a kingdom. Amen? And there's court in session 24-7-365. 24-7-365. So we are going to learn skills how we can present our case before the Lord. Let me move on. See, when you look at the man by the pool of Bethesda, glory to God, the Bible said Jesus met him in the temple and said to him, see, you have been made well, in verse 14, John chapter 5, verse 14, sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you, which implied that the, pop, the, re, the, the reason for the situation in his life was because of sin. Can you all agree with that? He said, sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. It's the same verbiage that the Lord used when he was talking to the woman that was caught in adultery. In John chapter 8, verse 1 to 11, the Bible said the woman was caught in adultery and brought to Jesus. You know the story. When the, the mob gathered, they were about to stone her. And they began to quote the law of Moses, the law. They began to quote the law of Moses to Jesus. And Jesus stooped down and began to write on the ground. And many scholars said Jesus was writing their sins on the ground. <laughs> you have a second girlfriend. So before you stone her, think about that. You stole money in the temple. Before you stole her, think about that. You stole that man's donkey. Before you stole her, think about that. So Jesus was writing in the ground. And after a few minutes, it was just Jesus and this lady. And Jesus said, where are your adversaries? He said, nobody has condemned me. He said, neither do I condemn you. Now, I want you to know, the Lord reminded me, I want you to know as we go through this, there's something called the mercy seat. Ah, yes. Even when you are guilty... The Bible says, let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Mercy is at the throne as well. Because judges have discretion on how they rule. 
they have a recommendation that has been given to them. So, for example, if somebody is caught in something and the ruling says they can rule, give them five years to 20 years, they can rule anywhere in that range. Or they can choose to toss it all together. Glory to God. I want us to, to stay with me tonight, to this morning. So we found this woman that was caught in adultery. Jesus said, go and sin no more. You know why? Because the reason they brought you to me in the first place is because you are caught in sin. If you are not in sin, they have no accusation to bring against you. Are you seeing the connection here? The man by the pool of Bethesda, Jesus said, go and sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. And then this woman that was caught in adultery was because of her sin that gave them occasion to bring her before a rabbi and say, the law of Moses say, if you catch somebody in adultery, they should be stoned. And so Jesus extended mercy because he's an officer of the court. And we're going to get to that in a minute. Extended mercy to her and said, I'm going to release you. But go and sin no more because if they catch you again, the law will catch up with you. Do you see what I'm saying? Glory to God. So now let's move on because of time. If you look at Psalm 107, verse 17 to 20, I want you to write it down. I don't know if it's in the material you have, because I'm always adding to the materials until the day I preach. Psalm 107, 17 to 20. The Bible says, fools, this is, this is the word of God. It says, fools, because of their transgression and because of their iniquities were afflicted, their soul abhorred all manner of food. And they drew near to the gate of death. Then they cried out to who? The Lord in their troubles. And he saved them out of their distresses. He sent his word and his word healed them and delivered them from their destruction. So when you bring that verse in light with the two examples that we just looked at. The woman that was caught in adultery and the man by the pool of Bethesda. The word of God says fools because of their transgressions. Because of their iniquities, open the door for affliction. So I'm not saying that every situation that is going on in everyone's life is because of sin. And we are going to get into that in a minute. But there are some situations that comes into our life primarily because of sin. Because that's the only ammunition that the enemy has against you in the court of heaven. Glory to God. So somebody might say, well, but I've been praying all my life, you know. What are you talking about? Going to court. I've never heard that before. Uh, Jesus already paid the price. We already said that. So why do I need to go to court to pray? What's all this court business? For things that he already died for and purchased. Now, the first answer that I will give to that is, why did Jesus need to pray? He is the son of God. Incarnate. And if anybody was a prayer, Jesus was a prayer. Jesus would pray all night. Because that's the is modeling to us how the kingdom operates. If you want divinity to be involved in the affairs of this terrest, uh, terrestrial world that we live in, you have to partner with divinity through prayer. Amen? Prayer is important. We know that every religion has some type of prayer. Whether you're a Muslim, Buddha, everybody's praying to something. So prayer is not strange in our culture, in our human existence. But the question is, how do you pray? And who are you praying to? Glory to God. The Bible tells us in John chapter 2, 1 John rather, 
chapter 2, verse 1 to 2. The Bible says, My little children, these things are right to you, that you do not sin or sin not. And if any man sin, he said, my, my expectation is don't sin. But when you do sin, we have who? An advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the propitiation. That word propitiation is a legal word. It's a propitiation for our sin. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the old world. Advocate is the Greek word parakletos. It means somebody called to one side, one who pleads another's case before a judge. Check me out. Fact check me. Amen? Fact check me. I'm serious. I was shocked when I found this. Is somebody who pleads on behalf of another before a judge, a pleader, a counsel for the defense. These are words that I found in my study time. That's what the word advocate means. So Jesus, one of his ministry right now is your advocate. Have you presented any case in court for him to advocate for you? Glory to God. Now, another, another answer that I'll give to anybody that's questioning why do we have to go to court. Just look at the empirical data that I've just talked about. About 85% of people in church, I'm talking about the body of Christ global. I'm not talking about just Global River Church. I'm talking about the body of Christ global. With everything that God is doing and every man and woman that God is raising with the healing power, miracle working power, yet still the body of Christ is still there. So something is wrong. And we pray. I know many of you in this house, you pray. And if there's anybody in the house, you don't have a prayer life, I pity you. That's the best way I can say it. I am really sorry for you. You don't have a prayer life, you are, you are meat for the enemy. The measure of your spiritual life is the measure of your prayer altar. Yes, Bible study is great. Learning the word of God is great. But what's the purpose of the word of God? You use it in prayer. You learn the word of God to use it in where? In prayer. The measure of your prayer life is the measure of your spiritual growth. If you are praying, you know, God bless us, God bless us, my father, my son, and nobody else anymore. Praise. If that's your extent of your prayer life, you need to wake up. Praise the Lord. You need to wake up because the enemy is actively giving accusation against you in court. You need to show up and answer those. The, you know, the funny thing is I've, I've been watching, like I said, I watch a lot of TV shows where they talk legal stuff. Many times the judge, because the judge knows the law, the reason he or she is a judge is because he or she knows the law. They might be sitting there squirming in their seat, knowing that this person has a legal ground. She knows what I'm talking about. She has laws in the books that will set him free. But because the lawyer is a knucklehead, excuse my French, they are not presenting their case the best way. And the judge has to rule against them. 
And because God is a righteous judge, when Satan shows up and brings accusation against you, and you don't show up in court, the father is squirming in his seat. It's like, there's nothing I can do. I have to remain righteous. Because if God, you know, they, they call something, a judge has to recuse himself. Meaning he has to remove himself because if he's, if he's uh, showing some type of partiality, he or she is showing some type of partiality, then the lawyer on one, either side can make a motion for the judge to recuse himself. And God has to be righteous. Glory to God. Now I want to show you in Psalm 19, verse 7 to 14. I read an article uh, as I was preparing for this. The Lord led me there. Uh, where the U.S. Congress can actually override the Supreme Court. They can override a ruling by the Supreme Court. For example, I found the Lilly Ledbetter Fair uh, Pay Act. Many of you might know that. It's about um, uh, equal pay for the same work, for women and for men. Now, I want to show you that in the law of God, that is not the case. Because the law of man is not perfect. I have a picture here to show you our justice system, just a pictorial image to show you the different levels that we have in, in the courts and how it can make, it way, make its way to the Supreme Court. You can appeal and then another appeal, and then there are all kinds of maneuvers you can do until it finally gets to the Supreme Court. I want to submit to you, the court of heaven is supreme overall. The court that my daddy presides over, supreme overall. If a judge on earth makes a ruling, and God in heaven makes another ruling, that ruling supersedes the ruling on earth. As a matter of fact, everything that's happening around you right now is a picture of your spiritual health. I want us to chew on that. Look at Psalm 19, verse 7 to 14. The Bible says, The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony, testimony is a legal term, of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The statute of the law, statute is another legal word, is right, replacing, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure. Commandment is another legal word enlightening the hair, the, the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgment of the Lord is true, and they are righteous altogether. The reason I show that scripture is to let us know that we know our legal system is not perfect. I'm preaching to the choir. Whether it's uh, the issue of racism or the issue of classism or any other isms that you can see out there, it's not perfect. But the law of God is perfect. So when you take it to court, and I want to give you some features or the, uh, some characteristic features that you see in court. If you go to, I think, the second picture, you see some individuals that are in the court system. I want to show you in the word of God. I think I have to circle back to this. When you talk about the court of heaven... Glory to God. I have so much material here. In the court system, we have the following. We have the judge, the plaintiff, or the lawyers. 
the plaintiff is the, the party who brings a legal action in whose name it is brought. The lawyers, and I want you to know that lawyers are officers of the court. They are officers of the court. And, we, and I will explain why that is important. Defend, you have the defendant or the defense attorney, uh, the person that is defending the case that's brought against them, prosecutor, uh, we have the court reporter, the court bailiff, the court clerk, and sometimes in a jury trial you have jury, and then you have sometimes guest. Now, we have that in heaven as well. If you go to Daniel chapter 7, verse 9 to 10, Daniel chapter 7, verse 9 to 10, the Bible says, as I was watching all this, Thrones were set in place. I'm reading from the message translation. Thrones were set in place. And the ancient of days sat down. The message said the old one, and I I don't feel qualified to call him the old one. His robes were as white as snow. His hair was as white like wool. His throne was flaming with fire. Its wheels blazing, a river of fire poured out of the throne. Thousands upon thousands served him. Tens of thousands attended to him. Now I want to stop there for a second. So I want you to picture this scene that Daniel is looking at. It's not just a small room like that. He said thousands upon thousands are there. Ten thousands upon thousands are there. And then... The courtroom was called to order, and the books were opened. In every courtroom, they have a jurisprudence or a law book that guides what happens there. And I want to show you that in the court of heaven, there are books in the court of heaven, one of them being the word of God. And the book of your life. You know, when you left heaven, you and Papa God had a conversation. And he had a conversation with you and told you, I'm sending you to earth, and this is the time you are going to be born. And this is the record of my plan for your life. Now, I want to submit to you, what Satan is fighting is your destiny. He's he's waging two wars against you, prevent you from being born again. If he loses that battle, the next thing he's fighting is to make sure that you don't fulfill what is written in your books. To make sure that you don't fulfill what is written in your... So that book is in court in heaven. Uh, The Lord has been leading me to begin to pray some powerful prayers. I'm speaking to... Because everything in heaven is alive. The words in that book is alive. So I'm speaking to you to come alive, to take wings. Glory to God. So I want you to see that there is a court in heaven. Glory to God. Oh my goodness. I'm just trying to... Follow the Holy Spirit here. Now, let's go to Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12. Because this is, a, this is a message that I have to go methodically to present it to you so that you can receive it and see it from the scripture. Hebrews 12, verse 22 to 24. The Bible says, you have come to, because somebody might say, well, that's Old Testament. Well, now this is New Testament. You have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God to the heavenly Jerusalem, to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly, 
to the church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven. All your names, my name, all of our names are registered in heaven. So that means we are there. He said we have come, not coming to, we have come to Mount Zion. It's a spiritual thing, amen? Glory to God. He said to the church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven, to God the judge of who? Of all. To the spirit of just men made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator. Mediator is a legal term of the new covenant. And to the blood of sprinkling that speaks better things than that of Abel. Now, we just went through and showed us the individuals that are in the earthly court. I want to submit to you, these are the people that are in heavenly court. God, the judge of all. The innumerable company of angels. The general assembly. The church of the firstborn registered in heaven. The spirit of just men made perfect. Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant. The blood of sprinkling is there. And he's speaking better things than that of Abel. And I also want to show you that there's another individual there. Satan is also there. Go to Job chapter 1 verse 6. Job chapter 1 verse 6. Glory to God. Say, what? Satan is in heaven? He has a special... Uh, passport. That's the one place he has access to in heaven. He has a special passport that allows him into the court of heaven. Because where is he bringing accusation against you? In court. Accusation is a legal term. It's a legal term. It's in court accusing you day and night. Job chapter 1, verse 6. Hallelujah. Is somebody getting anything out of this? The Bible says, Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. And God did not say, What are you doing here? Get get out of here. Because he's an officer of the court. He's been fired, but he still has access to the court to bring accusation against the brethren. The Bible says in Revelations, he comes before the court day and night to bring accusation against you, against me, and says, yeah, bishop should not have that. Bishop should not be blessed. Even though it's written in the record of the books concerning him that he's supposed to preach to the nation. He's supposed to, you know, do this. He's supposed to do that. And then he will bring accusation. He's going to and fro in your bloodline. He's going through and fro the daily activity of your life. And he's saying, look at what he did. I saw him yesterday. He was watching something on the computer. He shouldn't be watching. Father, this is my evidence. And because God is a righteous judge, if you don't show up with the blood, if you don't show up to present your own case, by default you lose. So you have been praying these prayers and nothing seems to be moving. Take it to court. Take it to court. And I want to show us, uh, before we finish, I'm going to show us real quickly how do we actually do that, to take uh, the case to court. Praise the Lord. I'm just looking at time so that I have enough time for us to be able to actually pray. Now, I want to give us some scriptures to, ha- to help us understanding. Now, look at Proverbs, Proverbs 26, verse 2. I told us there's going to be a lot of scripture because this is something that I I need to establish scripturally for you to understand. This is not just, uh, 
some revelation that this guy just came up with. Proverbs 26, verse 2. Like a flying sparrow, it's a type of bird, like a flying swallow, which is also a type of bird, so a curse, C-U-R-S-E, without a cause, C-A-U-S-E, shall not alight. Can we put that verse on the scripture? On the, on the screen, rather. Proverbs 26, verse 2. Like a flying sparrow, like a flying swallow, so a curse, C-U-R-S-E, without a cause, C-A-U-S-E, shall not alight. Let me read the NLT for you. NLT said, like a fluttering sparrow, like a darting swallow, an undeserved cause will not land on its intended victim. In other words, in other words, for a curse to land on you, there must be a legal reason for it. There has to be a legal reason for a curse to land on you. This is the word of God. There has to be a legal reason. So our job is to go into the court of heaven and take away the legal reason the enemy has to afflict you, to afflict your family, to afflict your bloodline. You know, we talk about generational curses. You see a pattern that's happening around your life, around your family. You know, for example, there are some things that I'm praying about right now, and I'm seeing mighty results. There are some things that I've been praying about that it seems not to be moving. It's like this immovable mountain. And I've been crying out to God. I say, Lord, I know there's an answer in you. I know there's an answer in you. Show me. Holy Spirit, show me. And the Lord began to lead me to this message of bringing and approaching God in the court of heaven. So when you approach God as a father, you're approaching him to get your daily needs. What the word of God promised you, what the covenant says. You, pre you present yourself to him as your, as your heavenly father. And they come. But if they are not coming, and you've been praying, you've been fasting, you've been laying on your face before the Lord, you've been doing everything you know how to do, and something is, is just not moving, it's time to go to court. Because there has to be a legal, because God is not deaf. He's not deaf. And he loves you. He wants to do it more than you want it done. So if it's not happening, it's time to shift focus. See, God, there must be some legal reason that's preventing this from happening. There's something called a restraining order. There's, uh, you know, many of our legal people, even non-legal people know that, restraining order. When they put a restraining order on you, <laughs> glory to God. That means based on the language of the restraining order, you cannot do that thing with that person or with that building or with that individual. So it's time for you and I to go to heaven and secure a restraining order against lack, against sickness, against disease in your space. Glory to God. So when you are praying for healing and healing is not coming and you know that Jesus paid for it, there's no question in your mind because you know what the word of God says, I said, I said to you, my brothers and sisters, there has to be a legal reason that allows the enemy to continue to stay there. Now, we know that there are some things that God expects or requires us to wait 
for the manifestation of it. When waiting is turning into weeks and turning into months, and instead of the thing from getting better, it's getting worse, it's time for us to turn our attention to God as the righteous judge. And you know that when you approach courts, there are protocols. You know, you can't just show up in court anyhow. In fact, one of, the, one of the requirements requires you to dress up, to at least present yourself in a res- respectable way. Somebody that just committed a heinous crime, you see them dressed up in suit. Maybe they never wear a suit in their life. But we are going to call the dress up. There's a protocol that you have to obtain, um, that you have to maintain when you approach God. And when the court is seated, that means they are, the judge is ready to hear arguments. And you know the argument the enemy is bringing. Is saying that according to your word, according because Satan knows the word. Ah, many people don't understand that. Many in the church they don't know the word, but Satan knows the word. He will quote the word because that's what he did with the Lord Jesus. It is written, he will give his angels charge concerning you. You know, jump. And Jesus said, No, I'm not committing suicide today. <laughs> Glory to God. Because it is also written, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. That's what happens in court. The lawyer will present this. The other lawyer will present this. The other lawyer until somebody will prevail. But the good news is, brothers and sisters, Jesus has settled it. All you and I have to do is show up in court and present our case. Show up in court and present your case. The Bible says in Matthew 28, 18, Jesus came and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. And then Jesus turned around and delegated that authority to the church. Are you part of the church? (laughs) I'm just going to ask people over here because they are not saying anything. Are you part of the church? Okay. I'm just checking. Are you part of the church? So that means the authority that Jesus, the Bible, it's all. That means nothing is left out. All authority in heaven and earth belongs to Jesus in heaven and on earth. And then he delegated the authority on earth to the church. That's why you and I have the audacity to speak to demons. Because demons have been existing long before your mother conceived you. <laughs> they are spirit beings. They are fallen angels. The reason we have authority over them is because Jesus gave us that authority. And we saw that in the ministry of Jesus. He sent the 12 disciples out. And then in another episode, he sent the 70 out. He said, go in my name. Now, when you are using your authority and that thing that you are exercising authority against seems not to be moving, I submit to you, it may be that he has a legal ground to be there. Because otherwise, he has to obey you. That's how it works. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now go in my name. So if I'm speaking to cancer to leave, and cancer is not living, there must be a legal reason. So there's another provision in the world for me to go to God as a judge of heaven to judge that situation. And there's a way to, to approach that. And I'm just going to summarize that for us because of time. Oh, God. 11.38. Glory to God. Hallelujah. 
Is this blessing somebody today? Glory to God. Now, I want to give us two more scriptures to establish that God is judge. We read Isaiah 33, 22. For the Lord is our judge. The Lord is our lawgiver. The Lord is our king. He will save us. Psalm 7, verse 11. God is a just judge. Or you can say God is a righteous judge. And God is angry with the wicked every day. Now, I want us to look at Matthew, if you can open there. Matthew 25, verse 26. This is a very important key to approaching the court of heaven. Now we are beginning to um, step into actually approaching the the court of heaven. Matthew 25, 26. Glory to God. 25, verse 26. Sorry, Matthew 5. Matthew 5. I apologize for that. Matthew 5, 26. Glory to God. I have so much, and I'm just trying to see where I need to go. The Bible says in verse 25, Agree with your adversary quickly while you are on the way with him. Where are you going? You are going to court. Lest your adversary deliver you to the judge, and the judge hand you over to the officer, and you'll be thrown into the prison. That, you know, on the surface, it's like, why would I agree with my adversary? My adversary is my enemy, is my opponent. Why should I agree with him? I want you to know something. I said earlier that one of the features that I've learned about the courts is something called perjury, meaning that you lie in court. And perjury applies to the lawyer, the plaintiff, and all the officers in the court. So in other words, the expectation is, you know, when you, when you are being sworn in in court, you say, put your hand on the Bible, everything you say shall be true, nothing but the truth, so help me God. Because the expectation you are going to tell the truth. Now, if the court catches you in a lie, they call it perjury. There's a punishment that goes along with that. Now, in the court of heaven, now I want you to picture it. God is the judge. You can't lie in court of heaven. Now, the Bible tells us in John 10, 10, the thieves comes but to kill, to steal, and to destroy. That's Satan's MO. But I come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. And the Bible also tells us that Satan is a liar and the father of it. The one place in all of God's creation that he cannot lie is in the court. And I'll tell you why. Because he's an officer of the court. Because for him to show up and present a case against you, that's a requirement. Now, in the earthly court, people will lie, and then the court will catch them, and then the judge will assess whatever the fine is. But in the court of heaven, he cannot lie. That is important because when, this, when the enemy call, when the Bible says that the accuser of the brethren is before the father, accusing us day and night, he's not bringing false accusations. Whatever he has brought is real. That's why Jesus said here, agree with your adversary quickly. Because whatever he's bringing is true. So what does that mean? In my bloodline, because my parents, uh, they told me that our great-grandpa was into you know, voodoo stuff. So I don't know what he put his hand in. So if the enemy shows up in court and said, because the great-great-great-grandpa 
you know, receive power from us. And so he has sown the whole bloodline to me. So I have a right to afflict this guy. And he's right. Because my great-grandpa sold us out. So when I, when I show up in court, I say, God, whatever the enemy has presented is true. I agree with him. But I also bring evidence to the court. Golgotha. I bring evidence to the court. Golgotha. And the Bible told us, we've, we've gone through it, there are individuals in court. One of them is the blood of sprinkling. That's speaking better things than that of Abel. The blood that is saying, acquitted. The blood, the blood that is saying, is not guilty. And the word of God is also there in court. The word of God is speaking on my behalf. And Jesus Christ is my advocate. And he is a good lawyer. Woo! But I have to show up and present my case. That's why the Bible says, agree with your adversary. Because if you show up in court and say, no, Lord, I didn't do it. You're lying to the court. You are lying to the court. And you, that's one thing that is a no-no in the court of heaven. So I agree with him. Whatever he has brought, whatever evidence he has, because in the court of heaven, that's the one place Satan cannot lie. But outside, if it's black, he will tell you it's yellow. He will lie his pants off. But in court, he cannot lie. So that's why the Bible says, agree with your adversary quickly, and then present your own argument. That's why the Bible says, bring forth your strong reasons. I even have scriptures about that. Glory to God. Now, I also want you to know, I mentioned that there are books in heaven. I want to go through that real quickly. Books in the court of heaven that support your argument. In any court, we have books, law books, record books, uh, whatever the uh, court bailiff is writing. We have records and records and records and records in courts, in earthly courts. The same thing in heaven. One of the books in heaven is the word of God. The living word of God. And I want to show you scriptures that shows other books that are in heaven. The Bible is in the courtroom because that's the, that's the law of the kingdom that God is king over. Another book that is there is the book of remembrance. You find that in Malachi chapter 3, verse 16 to 18, about Mordecai. Mordecai did something to help the king. Many years later, or many months later, there was some trouble and the king could not sleep because God wanted to do something for the people of Israel and for Mordecai. The king could not sleep. He said, bring me the book of remembrance. Bring me the book of remembrance. There's, there's a book of remembrance about you in the court of heaven. And that book is also evidence. You see that in Esther chapter 6 verse 10. There's also book of destiny. I want us to look at this. This is so important. Psalm 139. Psalm 139. There's also the book of destiny in the court of heaven. Psalm 139, verse 14 to 16. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wroth in the lowest part of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book, they were all written, all the days fashioned for me, when as yet there was none of them. That is not just talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. That's talking about every 
spirit being on earth. There's a record of destiny that God has written concerning you. There's a book with your name on it. Olufunsho Abidemi Adlo, that's my full name, Bishop. You guys know me as Bishop. In that book, in that book, he's written there that I'm going to call him as a prophet. I'm going to call him as a teacher of the word. I'm going to call him, and he's going to preach my word. He's going to go to America. Now, the argument, the, the plan of the enemy, like I said earlier, is to fight tooth and toenail to make sure that you don't fulfill your destiny. It will throw all kinds of roadblocks, sickness, uh, chaos, lack of money, lack of... Uh, it will throw everything to make sure that you don't fulfill your destiny. The Bible said it concerning Jesus. He said, I have come, O Lord, to fulfill your will as it is written of me in the books. So these are books of... Look at Hebrews 10.7. Let's, let's, let's look at it together. Hebrews 10.7. This is talking about Jesus. Just to confirm, we looked at Old Testament. Now we are looking at New Testament. Hebrews 10, verse 7. Glory to God. Hallelujah. The Bible says, let's start from verse 5. Therefore, when he came to the world, he said, Sacrifices and offering you did not desire, but a body, a body, a body, you have prepared for me, because without a body you can't be on earth. Demons and disembodied spirits. That's why they, they seek to get inside somebody. If they can't find somebody, they will get inside pigs. They don't have a body. Without a body, you don't have a license to be on earth. A body you have prepared for me in burnt offering and sacrifice for sin, you have no pleasure. Then I said, behold, I have come. In the volume of the book, it is written of me to do your will. This is Jesus. This is prophetically about the Lord Jesus. He has come in the volume of the book written concerning me. So there's a book written about you in heaven. And I want you to know that everything written in that book is good. There's no divorce in that book. There's no lack in that book. There's no sickness in that book. So all of those things that are not good, that are happening in your life, the enemy has done it. The Bible says, while men slept, the enemy came and sowed tears in the midst of the field. And then when he got up, he's like, didn't we not just plant regular plants here? What's going on? He said, an enemy has done it. Yeah. Glory to God. So we have the book of destiny, Hebrews 10, 7. You can also see that in Psalm 40, verse 7 to 8. We also have the book of Satan's record against you. Go to Revelations. Because he has to present his case. Just like you and I, we have to present our case before the Lord. Revelations 12. Look at verse 9. The Bible says, So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old, called the devil and Satan, who deceives what? The whole world. He was cast to the earth. And his angels was cast out with him. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and of the kingdom of our God and of the power of his Christ has come for the accuser of our brethren, the accuser of our brethren, who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. So that also proves to you that Satan has access into the court of heaven. 
the Bible says, is accusing us day and night. He's standing before God. We saw that in Job. We saw that in Daniel. So I've proved conclusively to you that there's a court in heaven. There are individuals in that court. There are books in that court. There's a judge in that court. There's Jesus in that court. And there's the enemy in that court bringing accusation against you. Running to and fro. The Lord spoke to me. He said, you know why he's running to and fro? Because if Satan can destroy, devour indiscriminately, there will be none of us here. Because think about it. It's warfare 101. You are my enemy and I can devour you. What am I waiting for? I just devour you. The reason he's running to and fro is looking for evidence. He's looking for what to bring to court against you. So it's now up to you not to give him ammunition. That's why Jesus told that lady, where are your accusers? He said, Lord, they are gone. Okay, I also pardon you. But go and sin no more. Don't give him another ammunition to bring you before me. Just like he told that man by the pool of Bethesda. He said, go and sin no more, lest a worse thing come upon you. And they said, Bishop, does that mean you don't sin? And I do. But as soon as I do, I run to the court. and say, Lord, one of the provisions in the covenant says, if we do sin, we have an advocate with the Father. The man Jesus, who is the propitiation for all of my sins. I don't wait for it to fester. I don't wait for it to grow wings and then become a monster. No, no, no. As soon as my spirit man smites me, I go before the court. I say, Lord, I have missed it. Ask for your forgiveness. Because if you don't, you're giving him an ammunition against you. So we have seen several things. There's a court in heaven. There's a God there who's judging cases. And there's an accuser of the brethren that brings cases against you. And Jesus advised us, agree with your adversary quickly so that it won't take you before the judge and the judge will throw you into prison. And this is one of the things that gives Satan legal right to afflict God's people. And God is bringing this revelation to the body of Christ so that we can prosecute cases and bring relief, bring justice where we haven't seen them in the past. You pray to the Father and the Father wants to do it but he can't Break the protocol of the courts. Then take it to court and present your case. You've seen patterns in your family. Nobody gets married. The people that get married, the marriage gets busted in a few years. And then they are single mothers, single dads, and, and they are Christians. They love God. And then you see that pattern with this sister, with that sister, with that other sister, and with that other sister. It's like, what is going on here? Take it to court. Take it to court. And when you go to court, you, the first thing you do is you approach God and you ask for forgiveness. So I want to lead us to uh, pray some prayers this morning. Glory to God. If you can stand on your feet, I'm going to lead you to pray some prayers this morning. And you're just going to repeat after me. If this agrees with your spirit, you can say it. If it doesn't, don't worry about it. <laughs> Glory to God. <laughs> so say after me. Heavenly Father, your word says 
My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. OCR 4.6. Heavenly Father, I realize now my lack of knowledge on how to operate in the court of heaven to get justice from my adversary. And it has cost me and my bloodline severely. Heavenly Father, today, everything changes. Heavenly Father, by the blood of the one who died for me, I request access to the court of heaven. And I'm asking that your throne of judge may be put in place. And you, the righteous judge, will sit to hear my case in Jesus' name. Heavenly Father, I'm asking that you give me justice against my adversary for the sake of what you wrote about me in my book of destiny. For the sake of what you wrote about me and my family in my book of destiny, which Satan has viciously attacked which Satan has viciously hindered. I don't want to die without fulfilling your will on earth for me, O oh God. That which you have written in my book, I want to fulfill. And they must come to pass during my time here on earth. For this reason, I come before the court. I, with respect, summon the Lord Jesus Christ, who is my advocate, to help me to plead my case against my adversary in the court of heaven in Jesus' name. Heavenly Father, I realize that any accusation, any evidence, that Satan has managed to present in the court of heaven must be true because you cannot allow any lie to stand in the court of heaven. So instead of arguing with the devil, I choose to obey the word of the Lord Jesus Christ to agree with the adversary. So Father... I agree with the adversary concerning transgressions, iniquities that have taken place against you in my bloodline, on my father's side, on my mother's side, even my in-laws. The things my forefathers did, the things they borrowed from the demonic world, that I've given Satan legal right to say I now owe him a debt of the forefathers. I'm asking God that you will forgive me. You will forgive my forefathers for they did not know what they were doing. I am asking the blood of Jesus 
who speak to any every iniquity, transgression, which Satan has presented in the court against me. May the blood of Jesus Christ speak forgiveness as its testimony over my life against Satan's accusation in Jesus' name. Heavenly Father, I also repent for my self-inflicted curses. Where in my discouragement, I said things about my life that do not conform with, the, with your will or the contents of my book that is in the court of heaven. And Satan is using those words as evidence to bind my destiny in the court of heaven. Heavenly Father, concerning every testimony that I've ever given about myself, that disagrees with the testimony of heaven about my life, I repent for giving Satan that type of ammunition against my life. Lord, I ask that you forgive me. I repent on behalf of myself and my bloodline. For it is written, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and he is just to forgive all our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Somebody shout hallelujah. One more thing. Heavenly Father, I also ask for forgiveness any time in my life I have given gift at the altar when I was angry or had hatred in my heart and unforgiveness in my heart against another redeemed member of your body. I gave Satan unknowingly legal right to take my finances into prison cell of limitation. I'm asking, Lord, that you will forgive me that the blood of Jesus Christ will speak even into that sin and remove it as a voice in the court, in the court of heaven. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' mighty name. Heavenly Father, now that you have restored my righteousness, before you through the blood of your son, before you through the blood of your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm asking that every accusation that Satan has leveled against me be thrown out of court in Jesus' name. Get me justice against my adversary so that breakthroughs that have been delayed, finances that have been delayed, 
healings that have been delayed, promotions that have been delayed, will be released now in Jesus' name. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for it is your good pleasure to give me the kingdom. I want you to shout hallelujah. Glory to God. That's an example of how to present your case in the court. And I intentionally wrote it out so that I can lead us in prayer because you can watch the video and follow it again. You can also go before the court of heaven and ask for restraining orders. And my judge knows what that is about. Ask for restraining orders against your finances, against your children, against your health. Glory to God. This is just part one of this message. By the grace of God, when I come back, I'm going to unpack more by the, by the power of the Holy Ghost. How many of you are blessed today? You step into the court of heaven by faith. Because you have access through the blood. Glory to God. We just went there. Glory to God. And you can ask for just, you know, when you see patterns and things that are going on in your family and you have prayed and prayed and prayed and the mountains seem not to be moving, take it to court. Take it to court. And follow the pattern that I just described to you. It's not necessarily, uh, uh, you have to follow that exactly. It's just a flow. You repent for whatever the enemy has presented as evidence against you. You agree with him. And then you bring your own evidence, the blood of Jesus, the blood of sprinkling, the content of your book, and you begin to pray into that. And I promise you, you begin to see things turn around. Sickness that you have been praying about that has not moved, you begin to see it turn around. So now we are going to approach the Father as our Heavenly Father. I want, to, I want us to take a moment right now and begin to pray. I'm telling you, because of what we've done, the prayers you are going to pray now is going to be different. Amen. Because now that you've taken the legal right, the legal authority Satan has in the court, he has no voice, no more ammunition. So I want you to present your topmost request before the Father right now. You are not approaching him as judge this moment. You are approaching him as Father. So I say, Father, I come before you in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. You know that. This, 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 this. Now that the enemy has been silenced in the court, I ask for quick recovery in my body. I ask for cancer to dissolve. I ask for this and that. Open your mouth and pray. Open your mouth and pray. This is not spectator sports. This is for you to talk to your papa. Open your mouth and talk to papa God. Father, we just thank you for today. Lord, I thank you for my family. I thank you, Lord, because I know I've presented this before, the course before. I just want to praise you because I believe that healing has taken wings in my home. Breakthrough has taken wings in my home. I just honor you, Papa. I thank you, Lord. I give you praise. And you know, next time when I come around to, I'm going to teach on how to stand in gap. Because when I'm praying, as I'm praying, I've learned that when somebody's name or somebody's face show up, that the Lord is telling me to pray for them. So that's why it takes me a while to finish because I keep going and then somebody's name will show up and then somebody's face will show up and I keep interceding. In that regard, I'm standing as an intercessor for that person. Ah, glory to God. How many of you have been blessed this morning? So I want to encourage you, please make sure that you have a heart prayer life. 
a believer that doesn't have a prayer life, like I said earlier, I am sorry for them. Because your adversary doesn't sleep. He, he doesn't sleep. He's a spirit being. He's bringing accusation against you 24-7. Meanwhile, you are sleeping and eating bum bum. And the father has to be a righteous judge. You need to have time before the Lord where you spend quality time approaching him as father, approaching him on behalf of another person, and definitely approaching him as the righteous judge. And he will rule in your favor if you present your case right. Glory to God. I hope this has been a blessing to you. I just want to encourage everyone, be praying, stay prayed up, never give up praying. Because the word of God is true. I'll be back and I'll speak on part two of this. We're going to go deeper and go into other aspects of the court. And how to present specific cases about sickness, about finances, about many things that the Lord is showing me. Glory to God. I have to quit because it's past 12. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, we just thank you for your word this morning. We thank you for the flow of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for what has been accomplished today. And I believe, Lord, that there will be testimonies coming from everyone's life. Everyone's life will have a testimony. Father, we thank you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. God is a good God.